Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Yeah, it's time to build. Yeah, you can't die till you build something. I said you can't die until you build something. You can't die and leave no, nothing built to your children. That's why some of you are struggling today. Your parents, some of your parents died and they didn't leave you anything because they didn't build anything. But that curse has to stop. Are you listening to me? You, you have to build something that will outlast you. I said you need to build something that will outlast you. Go ahead with my PowerPoint. Show my, show my, ooh-wee. Didn't you say it's time to build? So, so I don't care if you build an outhouse, but build it. Go ahead in, in the video room. Mm-hmm. Some of you need to build a dog house. Go ahead, video department. Yeah, some of you need to build a shotgun house. One bullet, kill everybody in there. Oh my goodness, that looks like me. See, see, y'all don't get it. That looked like my house. See, see, some of y'all didn't get it. That looked like my house. Mm -hmm. It's time to build. Go ahead, video department. Oh my. It's time to build a hotel. They're building them everywhere. Somebody on, listen to me. Somebody own those hotels. Somebody own those hotels. How come you can't build one? It's time to build. Go, go ahead, video department. Oh, my goodness. Time to build a factory. Yeah, time to build a factory. So you can, haul, you can hire all your, your cousins who just getting out of prison or out of jail. And nobody else to give them a job. And you get mad at somebody else who built something that they won't hire your cousin. Why don't you build something? Then you don't have to be running around begging somebody to hire your family members. You build something and hire everybody in your family. And when you die and go on to be with Jesus, what you built will still be hiring, amen, people in your family. Good God of mercy. Is that the end? Is that, is that the last one? Oh, my goodness. Is that the golden arches? Come on, you know how we feel about hamburgers. Well, why don't you build one? I'm, I'm going to get you in a minute. Why don't you build one? How come out of the thousands upon thousands of McDonald's all over the world, how come you don't own one? You said you were smart. Ooh, Jesus. It's time to build. Go ahead, please. Oh, yes, sirree. Yes, sirree. Come on, you coffee drinkers. Don't leave me hanging. Don't want nobody speaking to you in the morning until you have your first cup of coffee. But, but how come you don't own one? I said, how come you don't own one? With all the talking you do, 
all the running your mouth you do, and you don't even own a Starbucks? Yes, son, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, that's brown preaching. I'm the only voice that the child knows, and the child thinks I'm talking to them. And, and, and I am talking to the child. And the child is responding back, saying, I hear you, Reverend, I hear you. I'm an owner of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Do we have another one? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you own a home? Come on now. You, 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 can't, you can't use your, your, your rent money that you've been paying all you. You can't write that off. You, come on now. You can't give your apartment to your children. Now, I'm not mad at anybody renting, so don't, don't, don't get, you know, go out here because you're in an apartment. But I, I do have an issue with you if you stay in one. Because all of us started somewhere, an apartment or grandma's basement or, or, or shed or garage or something. But when you're leasing or renting an apartment, all you're doing is paying for something that somebody else built. And all I'm saying, why pay for what somebody else built when you can get folk to pay for what you build? You're going to be challenged today because you don't need to go to a church. You're in the wrong church if that church doesn't challenge you to do better. If every time you come to that church, you sit there comfortable, you're in the wrong church. Every now and then, I should preach something that make you mad. To make you uncomfortable. Because if there's a true word coming from this house, it will challenge you to go to the next level. And you have enough power to get there. Good God of mercy. So build something. Build a house. Maybe you won't pay it off in your lifetime, but you can give it to your children with just a year left on the mortgage. Give me another picture. Oh, my goodness. Two-car garage. Move it on up. I mean, they're building houses all over the Metroplex. And you mean to tell me you don't have enough faith for one of them? I don't care how palatious your apartment is. You don't own it. Girl, you need to come and see my place. No, I don't. I need to come and see somebody else's place that you're using. Is, is this it? Oh my. I will bless you with houses and land. Look, look at somebody and smile and say, where are your houses? 
God says, I'll bless you with houses. And there are people who own houses. While you're spending all your money on clothes. Food and jewelry. Trying to look like you got something. When you have enough power to have something. Good God of mercy. <laughs> Come on, child, help me. <laughs> I must have hit her. Holler again. Somebody's not dead in here. Do I have any more pictures? This is perhaps the most crucial time in our history. Catch what I'm saying. And there has not been a greater time in history for you to make a difference in your family and this world. But you have to build. You have, you have to stop wasting time and allocating your monies toward areas that have nothing to do with your purpose or your destiny. You, you don't need a new car every year. You need to buy houses. You need to get some land. And if you have some land, you need to get some more. So that when your children grow up and want to build a house, they don't have to buy the land. The land's already been purchased. Jesus. Oh, God. You're being fueled this day. I'm fueling you now, endeavoring to drive out doubt and unbelief because you can do it. You always think somebody else can do it but you. But I'm telling you today, I don't care how old you are and how much time you have wasted. I'm charging you today not to waste another minute, another second. I charge you today that when you go out of these doors that you're thinking different than you did when you came. And that you stop living your life just for yourself. And start living for generations if the Lord tarries his coming. For the God... I don't know who this is for, but somebody, would you please stand and grab this? For the God of the impossible, he is releasing towards you right now currents, currents of blessings. Can you give me some wind, sir? For God of the impossible, who am I speaking to this morning? He's releasing towards you currents 
of blessings. Now, now hold on. All of you know what a current is? All of you know what a current is? Have you ever been outside and felt the current of a wind? But you couldn't see it. And you didn't always know from what direction it was blowing. But you could feel the current of a wind. It's the same today, whoever the Spirit of God is reaching out to. Your life is getting ready to change because the God of the impossible, he is releasing to you currents of blessings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't always, you can't always see it. You don't always know what direction, but you do see the effects of the winds blowing. You don't know who God's going to use. It may be a stranger. It may be somebody who don't look like you, but God is going to blow them your way. And they're going to use their influence, their resources, sent to you by God to move you to a whole new... The, who, who's, the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody in this room. You tried to get the house. They said you didn't have enough credit. But a supernatural current of the blessings of God is flowing your direction. You may have been told no last week, but I charge you this coming week to do it again. To apply again. To knock again. And the door that was shut is going to be supernaturally open to you. Are you listening to me? Let the wind of the blessings of Jehovah Jireh let him blow on your life. Let him restore in your life all the things that the canker worms have eaten up in your life. May the God of the impossible, hallelujah to Jesus, redeem the time in your life that all the time that you wasted, but the God of the impossible is going to step into your situation and turn everything all the way. Who am I talking to? He's going to turn it around. 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 God is getting ready to do something supernatural in your life. Go to three people and tell them, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Change. Yeah. The wind is blowing. I receive and release the harvest. The wind is blowing. 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 You can get that duplex. As a matter of fact, if you don't have a house, I encourage you to get a duplex first. You stay on one side. 
Let the person who don't know you own the duplex live on the other side. Stay in a few years, use the equity, and buy you another duplex or fourplex. Stop trying to impress other people. Going out buying a big old house and you so tight you can't afford to do anything else. There's a wiser way to get there. As a matter of fact, you can get enough rental properties that it will pay for your mansion. Open your eyes and see. It's a new day. Help me, Holy Ghost, to talk to these people. One of the wisest men who ever lived said, to everything, there's a season. There was a season that you struggled. And for some of you, you come from a lineage that there was a season that you were slaves. But the God of the impossible, who changes seasons. The day comes when he rises from his seat and he looks over the banisters of heaven down in the earth. And he says, not you, he says, enough is enough. And after 400 years of slavery, God sent a deliverer named Moses and said, the day of my people being slaves is over. But what Moses had to contend with is what I'm battling now in the spirit and that is these invisible shackles no longer in slavery but still acting like a slave you see cause a slave don't own nothing oh Jesus say it again you see, a slave don't own anything. The house that the slave live in own is, 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 it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? The owner is the master. And the cotton that they pick, all their labor, it doesn't make the slave rich. Makes the master rich. But to everything, God help me, there's a season. There was a time when there were people in Mississippi and in southern Missouri picking cotton, crying out to Jehovah Jireh for a better day. And it looked as though that their prayers were not answered. But the God who answers prayer, he did hear it. What they didn't know, God heard their prayers, but it was a time and a season for things to shift. And though our forefathers didn't enjoy freedom, but today we're standing on their backs. 
and we're not in the cotton fields, not anymore. But now that we're out and we can go anywhere we can want to go, there's still too many of us who don't own houses and don't own land like a slave that don't own anything. And if you talk about you own a car, that's, that's not an asset. That car depreciates. Matter of fact, you can buy one brand new. You drive it off the lot and come back next week and try to trade it in. They won't give you your money back. And so it's time for us to shift our thinking and stop living for just today and embrace this attribute, this characteristic of delayed gratification. I speak to you today by the power of the Holy Ghost. I've seen some things. And I've come back to tell you that God has better for you. Okay, if you don't believe it, tell three other people, God's got better for you. Yeah. So if you don't believe it for yourself, yeah, yeah. Tell three people and hopefully they'll grab a hold of it. Uh, hallelujah. 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 Yeah. God's got better for you. I don't care who left you. God's got better for you. I don't care who's trying to hold you back. There's always somebody trying to hold you back. Hey, quit, quit, quit wasting your time on people who are criticizing you. Are you listening to me? You'll never find anybody criticizing you doing better than you. Y'all didn't catch that. You'll never find anybody criticizing you who's doing better than you. You will never find anybody criticizing you who's doing better than you. Ooh, Jesus. You'll never find anybody criticizing you who's doing better than you. Your criticism does not come down. Your criticism tries to come up. That's why they're criticizing you. They're looking at you. And if you would keep looking up, you wouldn't notice them. <laughs> Prophetess, they're making a lot of noise, but my daddy said an empty wagon always make a lot of noise. Why? Because people who are pulling something of value don't have time to stop and criticize you.
good God of mercy. Hallelujah to Jesus. Please, please have a seat. I, I'm done with that portion. Put up nugget number one. I believe this is going to bless you. Ready? Read. Say it again. And if I am your pastor, you should not be hearing any other voice more than you hear my voice. So that all of the other voices will either give you a confirmation of what I'm saying or you'll totally leave it alone. Nugget number two. Somebody need to know that because sometimes you could have gone through or be going through such, such tests and trials. And, and sometimes when we are going through a real difficult test and trial, the devil will bombard our minds and try to convince us that we're the only one who's ever been to that spot. And don't anybody know what I'm going through. And then you start feeling sorry for yourself. Th then you get depressed. Are you listening to me? Because the enemy and all the cohorts, they're moving in for the kill. Because Satan comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But God has not forgotten you. You better hear me today. There's some people who say they're going to call you, never called. There's some people who say they're going to pray for you and they hadn't prayed one day for you. But God said, I have not forgotten you. Boy, that's good news for somebody. God has not forgotten me. Mm -hmm. Nugget number three, please. Would you read like that? Would you read this like you're on God's schedule? God is scheduling. Oh, Jesus. God is putting me on his schedule. For whatever God is getting ready to do next, I'm on the schedule. Jesus. Yeah. It's a schedule of blessings. There's some blessings that I am getting ready to experience that I have never experienced before. Why? Because God is going to show another facet, another dimension of his goodness in my life. Good God of mercy. I think nugget number four, I think it's the last one. I'm not sure, but I believe it is. Read it again. I, I want to go to numbers, but before I go there, let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Real quick. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 13. Are you there? Look at verse 13. Look on the screen. Ready? 
listen. No temptation has overtaken you, Steve, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, he is. But God is faithful. Steve, there's no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, Steve. Put your name there. Who will not allow you, Steve, to be tempted beyond what you're able. So if a test come in my life, God has already classified me that I'm well able to pass the test. But with the temptation, we'll also make the way of escape for you, Steve, that you may be able, listen to it in the uh, NLT, the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, when you are tempted, when, Y'all don't understand that. I didn't say if. When. When you are tempted. If you say you're not tempted, then you're tempted to lie. God didn't say if you are tempted. He said when. That means everybody in this room and the E-Church gets tempted by the devil. And the devil knows every one of us what our kryptonite is. Superman can handle everything but kryptonite. So don't act like you're so spiritual because you don't smoke. That's not your kryptonite. I'm going to find you in a minute. And don't act like you're so spiritual because you don't drink Seven's Regal. Come on now. Or tempted with a salty dog. I'll find you. Because that's not your kryptonite. And don't act like you're so spiritual because you don't fornicate no more. You only stop because you got married. Don't mess with me, I'll go there. Mm -hmm. so, so don't act like you're so spiritual because something that somebody else is struggling with has never been your problem. But everybody in this room, except that little baby, and that's just because they haven't discovered it yet. Everybody in here. have some kryptonite that if God doesn't grace you 
Don't, don't look at me like you won't do it. You'll be amazed at what you would do if God takes his hand off you. That's why I don't ever say what I won't do. Because if God takes his hand of grace and mercy off of me, I know what I used to do, and that was bad. With God chasing me, and caught, what would I do if he stopped chasing me? And everybody in this room have a kryptonite that if you don't keep your prayer life strong, that if you don't keep your eyes focused on Jesus, once the excitement wear, wear off, and now you have to stand on the word, but you have very little because you don't study and you don't read. And while your pastor is preaching, you fight and sleep because you've been up too late last night getting it on. So when your kryptonite shows up, because every now and then the devil will visit you with the kryptonite. You better hear what I'm saying. Those things that you haven't done in years, you'll be amazed how the devil will show up and dangle it in front of you again. And if he can just catch you at a time when you haven't been praying and pressing in and seeking the face of God, is this helping anybody at all? So when you're tempted, God says he will always show you a way out so, so, that, you can, so that you can endure it. Do you all remember this, the, the story of the little boy in the pantry? You all, you all remember the story of the little boy in the pantry? Well, there was this little boy, and uh, he was in the pantry. His mother had told him, you know, you know stay out of the cookies. And uh, the mother was walking in the kitchen, and she heard some noise in the pantry. And she stopped because she heard some noise. And uh, she said, Kevin, are you in the pantry? He, sa he, said, he said, yes, Mom, I I I'm in the pantry. She said, well, what are you doing in the pantry? He said, I'm in here fighting temptation. <laughs> so she told him, don't you go in those cookies. So he's in there where the cookies are looking at him fighting temptation. Where in reality, he shouldn't be fighting, he should be running. And that's some of you right now. You're talking about you're going to fight. No, you need to run. You need to get yourself, I almost said something else. You need to get out of that pantry. And you need to run. Run home to your mama. But, but get out of that situation. In other words, you're not with your kryptonite talking about you fighting. Sup 
Superman never went to the kryptonite. The enemy always brought the kryptonite to Superman. So get out of the pantry. Get out of the yard and cut grass. Is this helping anybody at all? This is where I want to go for the time that I have left. This is, this is what I wanted to minister to you all along. Go to uh, the fourth book of the Pentateuch or the fourth book of the law or the fourth book of Moses, chapter 13. And let's look together at verse 25. This is all I will do today. It's the season of change. Somebody shout, it's time to build. It's time for you to build something. I don't care if it's a doghouse. If you build enough of them and sell them, you can get rich. It's time for you to build something. It's time for you to stop just being a consumer. Just being a consumer will keep you in poverty and you'll make everybody else rich. Some of you under the sound of my voice, you don't own anything. You pay somebody to clean your clothes. You pay somebody to wash your car. You pay somebody for your food. Some of you pay somebody to cook it. You pay for somebody to do this. And you pay somebody for that. You pay somebody for your cosmetics. You pay somebody for your hair. You pay somebody else for your lipstick. You put lipstick on so long, you know all the ingredients in it. You know how it's made. Well, then make some. Jesus. All you do is consume. And nobody buys from you. You can't get rich if you don't own anything. And if you say you are, you're just dreaming. And if you're sitting in a church and a pastor or minister is telling these lies to you, you can shout money cometh all you want until you get something in your hands that people will buy. You will stay struggling and you'll teach your children the same bad habits. $200 tennis shoes on and don't have a, a bank account. How can you take your child to the, to the supermarket or to the mall and buy them several hundred dollars on one pair of tennis shoes and have never taken them to a bank? How can you ride around in a new BMW or a Mercedes 
and park it outside at an apartment for the hail and the storm to den it up. You're in the apartment, you can't sleep. Y'all laugh because y'all know I'm telling the truth. You try to park every night by your window. Every few hours, you get up and peek through the curtain. Because what you purchased should have been put in a garage. But you're thinking. Then you go to a church where the preacher doesn't challenge your thinking. Nothing wrong with shouting. Nothing wrong with dancing. But if you don't change your thinking, all you're doing is shouting and dancing and then go home to struggle. And you live like a junkie. And your fix is Sunday shouting and dancing. Because there's nothing of substance that is in your thinking that will change your situation. And I'm not happy as your pastor. It does nothing for me to just watch you dance and sing and go home and have nothing. I teach too strong for you to be broke. And everybody can't stand this kind of teaching. And everybody don't want this kind of teaching because you can't sit up under it and be comfortable with no intentions of changing. But I'm going to pastor. And I am pastoring some of the blessed, most prosperous people in church in Kansas City metropolitan area because God will confirm his word with signs following. They came in here on welfare, but now they got employees. Are you listening to me? They came in here strung out on drugs, but now they're, amen, making business deals. They came in here as alcoholics. But now their lives are changed. Because God is confirming his word. And it's more than just laying hands on the sick. It's more than just raising the dead or casting out devils. It's also a sign to come in one way and leave another way. To come in being a borrower and to go out being a lender to come in at the bottom and leave. For as a man thinketh, for as a man thinketh, you're being fueled this morning. Yeah, glory to God. You're like at the fuel pump, and I'm not giving you 87. Uh, 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 what they, they got three. They got three. They got three pumps. You got 87. 
You got 89. It, 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 you got 90. I'm giving you the, the this is high octane. The kind of fuel I'm giving you, it'll stop your engine from rattling when you press on the accelerator. You know what it is when you got that cheap gas? You press on the accelerator. Nothing wrong with the engine, just cheap fuel. And because of your thinking, you think you're saving money. But the pennies that you're saving is killing your engine. When you open up the, the, the side of the cap to put the gas in, it says premium. And so you say, I don't care what they, they don't know what they're talking about. I don't drive fast. <laughs> Please sit down. <laughs> Jesus. I'm so glad to hear you laughing because most of the time truth makes people mad. Is it warm in here or is it just me? <laughs> well, y'all quick to say it today. Are you in Numbers 13? <laughs> mm -hmm. Look at verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land. Come on, talk to me. After what? Now, the number 40 uh, signifies uh, probation. The number 40 signifies trial. Uh, the, the number 40 signifies chastisement. So you all know the story where God had promised the people, oh Jesus, touch three people and tell us, God has promised you some land. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, touch, touch somebody else and tell them, say, there's enough land for you. There, there, yeah, there's enough land for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't listen to those lies. There's enough land for you. We're, we're not running out of land. Don't, don't listen to the lies. They don't want you to know there's enough. We're not running out of land. God's got some land for you. I don't care if you're 80 years old. God's got some land for you. Good God of mercy. So, so, Moses tells the 12 tribes, pick out amongst yourself a leader. And we're going to send them in to Canaan land, to the land that God promised us. We're going to let them go in and spy out the land. Yes? And the spies stayed in the land for 40 days. And after 40 days, they came back to the camp of the Israelites to give a report of what they saw. But they didn't just give a report. They brought back some of the grapes. And my Bible tells me that 
the grapes that they took from the promised land took at least two men to carry it on a pole. Are you listening to me? Now, all of the members of Harvest Church heard the message this morning about we're in a season of change. All of the people in our e-church heard the man of God say, it's time to build. But even though all of them heard it, they won't all respond the same way. So the 12 spies, they come back to the camp, yes? And they give a report. And the Bible says that 10 of them said, the land flows with milk and honey, just like God said. But I tell you, man, they got some people over there who don't look like us. And then they, they, they built banks and, and, and lending institutions and financial institutions. And I'm telling you, and they built neighborhoods. And I mean, man, the, the stuff that they built is so intimate. I just feel like a little grasshopper when I look at it. I mean, but they don't have a sign stay out. But, but everything is so big over there. It just makes me feel so insecure and inferior. And so I just, I just, I just took it upon myself. I just came to the conclusion, there's no sense in me going in there with, with, dealing with those people who don't look like me. You know, ain't no sense in me going in there and I know they're going to look down on me and talk down on me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not doing that. But then there was, there was two guys just two, two out of the 12. So if I line up everybody and count off 10, then take two out, count off 10, send them home and take two out. We get down to Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says that the people were talking, the 10 spies were talking so much, so negative. I mean, there's giants in the land and and. And, and we're like grasshoppers in, in our sight. Not only in our sight, but we're like grasshoppers in their sight. How did, they didn't talk to them. And who said they were like grasshoppers? Now, now hold, hold on, hold on. In your study time, study it out. Because when they 12 spies came back, all 12 of them, gave the same report of what was in the promised land. In other words, the 10 said the same thing as Joshua and Caleb about the promise or how Canaan land was. The only difference is when the 10 spies start talking about going in possessing the land then that's where the conversation changes with Joshua and Caleb. They gave a report, the 10 gave a report without God. Caleb and Joshua gave a report with God. 
And that's why some of you don't have today what God said you're supposed to have is because when you looked at it, it looked impossible for you to do it. Because you didn't look at it and put God in the equation. So today, what are you looking at that looks impossible for just you? What sickness or disease looks impossible to leave your physical body if it's counting on just you? What success you can have but you feel like you're being denied because in the equation all you're looking at is you and your opposer. And some of you have looked at things for so long without God in the equation, you have a habit of dealing with things without God being on your mind. Who said you can't have it? Who told you you couldn't do that? Who, Jesus? Who said you were the wrong skin color? God didn't say that. Who said you had to have a degree? Most people get rich or drop, drop us out of high school. If not out of high school, out of college. What teacher lied to you and said you would never be nothing and you believe her to this day? And she told you that in the fourth grade. What mother or father or auntie or uncle or some neighbor who didn't know better spoke a word of doubt over you and you're battling with it to this day? Somebody told you you were not smart enough. Who told you that? And who told you you had to be smart to get it? God didn't say anything to them about being smart. God didn't tell them you'll possess the land if you go to KU. Why are you buying the lie that you're not educated in a certain field that you can't be promoted? You know more than your supervisor right now. The thing that's been holding you back is you come late to work. Shout on that. I'm working on something because I'm trying to change your thinking. Come on, touch somebody and tell them. Say, nobody's holding you back. If you believe that you're deceived, nobody's holding you back. Nobody's holding you back. You're where you are right now in life because of the way you think. Your thinking brought you to where you are. 
Good God of mercy. I was born and raised in a shack with no running water and no electricity in an outhouse. And look where I am today. Because I got into the Word of God and the Word changed my mind. And I come to realize that if I can believe it, I can have it to the glory of God. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to change your thinking. You're not too old to change. You're not too old to do something new. You're not too old to buy something else. And if you don't want it, buy it for your children. Buy it for your grandchildren. I don't want my children to start off where I started off. Wouldn't that be a crime? I'm raised, born and raised in a house with no lights, no running water in an outhouse. And to make my children like me, I'm going to put them in an outhouse. Go back where I'm from and build a shack and tell the electric company, we don't need any wires. And tell the water company, keep it. Because I'm after something with my children. I don't want my children to be like me. I want them to be better than me. I want them to go further than I did. So by the grace of God, I have been able to give them a better start. Now what they do with it is on them. The high priest Eli and the prophet Samuel. They were, they were men of God. But they didn't have children that pursued God. I'm going to help somebody. Some of you parents, you need to stop feeling guilty. You brought your children to church. You taught them the things of God. And when they got of age, they made their decisions. Eli was a high priest, and his sons went the total opposite direction of the values of his father. We pray that our children will grow up and love God like we do. The downside of it is you can't make the choice for them. And somebody in here needs to stop feeling guilty. Ooh, Jesus. Which just simply means you can raise them up in the things of God and they can become of age and go the other way. Because following Jesus is a choice. Are you listening to me? So you don't have any right putting pressure on my children. If you don't think they're committed to God like I am. My kids won't go to heaven because I'm the pastor of this church. And I'm praying because there's some things I've seen that I know you cannot be truly born again and do this kind of stuff. But I'm not carrying the guilt. I raised you to know Jesus. I raised you to serve Jesus. And my wife and I, we modeled it in front of you. 
Ooh, Jesus. Is this good? I said, is, is this good? Now they departed and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flowed with milk and honey, just like you said, just like God told you, Moses. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, and they're very large. It's a big city. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell. By. Look at all these excuses. Along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb says, shut up. Well, I know your Bible says a little better. said he quieted the people. That was my translation. But it's saying the same thing. He told him, shut up. And, and he didn't tell the people to shut up. He was telling the spies who went into the Canaan with him to shut up. Why? Because they were feeding the people fear and doubt. And they were feeding him a word that would convince them that even though God said the land belonged to them, they were saying, you can't have. Well, I know what God said, but you can't have it. And so Caleb stood up and said, shut up. Your translation says, uh, be quiet. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up and, and take possession for we are, he said, we're well able to overcome it. Where did he get this faith? He got this faith from the word of God that Moses spoke out of his mouth. But look at the next verse. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are strong. L listen to me. If you're going to go to the next level, you got to get away from people. We're always talking negative. You got to get away from those people who are full of fear. And you have to get away from people who don't want you to have it before they have it. That's why as a single woman, you don't get another single woman to come and agree with you for a husband. Oh, yeah, she's going to pray. Lord, bless me, but don't forget about my friend. No, if, you, if you're a single woman and you're believing God for a husband, you get with a woman who got a husband and happy to be with him. Are you listening to me? And quit listening to other women and other people who are telling you to leave your spouse. When they tell you to leave your husband, you tell them leave theirs. Girl, I tell you, I, 
I don't know what you're made of. Because I, I, I couldn't take it. I don't know how you put up with it. Girl, I ought to have left him yesterday. And you leaving, and you look up six months later, she done married him. I thought you told me to leave him. I did. I just, I, I just. He just said something to me, and I said, I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whenever you make a decision to go to another level, make sure you listen to the Caleb's and the Joshua's around you and let their voices be louder than those 10 naysayers. You remember one of your nuggets was uh, when you talk about what you talk about increases and what you think about becomes larger. Wow. So your mind and mouth are magnifiers of anything you want to grow. You didn't get that. Your mind and your mouth are magnifiers of anything you want to grow. That means if I think about something long enough and I say it long enough, it's a law that my words will bring it into being because my words will cause it to grow. May not happen instantly. Ooh, thank you. There, there's seven people in here. God says he's going to release a sudden blessing in your life. There, there's some things in God, it happens suddenly. Yeah. Suddenly you're going to get it. Yeah. Suddenly you're going to be promoted. Suddenly you're going to be healed. Suddenly you're going to be delivered. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's seven, there's seven folk in here. God says he's releasing a sudden blessing into your life. It won't take a long time. It won't take a week. It won't be 21 days. You don't have to go around Jericho seven times. God said it's going to be a sudden blessing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The voice that you keep hearing, you will believe. It's time to build. You must build something. God wants your life to affect at least two generations. You, you can't die and not have made a difference. I'm not going to die, but if I were to drop dead right now, that girl is fixed and settled for the rest of her life. 
and my children will be affected in a positive way with what I have set aside for my children and my grandchildren. Already. And I made a lot of sacrifices. There are a lot of things I didn't do. There are places I didn't go because I was working on something. There are a lot of things other preachers did that I didn't engage in because I was working on Harvard's church being a debt-free ministry. So there were pastors who took trips and did other things, and I excused myself. I didn't go because I was working on something, and I worked on it for years. But today, Harvest Church, where Jesus is Lord, is a debt-free ministry. How come you're not clapping? How come you're not clapping? Mm -hmm. I only did that because God's been too good for some of us to sit still like God hadn't done anything. And sometimes it wasn't God doing it for us. Sometimes God did it through our spouses. And we try to stand and try to take credit. But God has been too good to us. Now, I know what I did was strong. But I addressed it because I don't want him to miss out on what God's doing. And sometimes you have to love people enough to be willing to take a chance on them getting offended and removing themselves from your life. But on your way out the door, you heard what thus saith the Lord. Are you listening to me? And just like these children of Israel, when Caleb and Joshua began to talk with them, they, they took upon themselves, they were going to stone them. And Moses too, and his brother. Because one of the most challenging things you'll ever face in your life is to try to take people who have a slave mentality into a place of blessing. And Pharaoh don't have to fight you. The people you're trying to take will fight you. And they can murmur and complain so much that they will gather together in a private meeting without the designated godly leader and appoint unto themselves another leader. And they will say, it was better back in Egypt God has brought us out here at 4300 North Corrington to die? Or did he bring us out here for better? And I'm telling you today that if you'll believe the word of the Lord, 90 days for those of you who are renting God is going to open a door of favor for you. 
for you to own a home. And I don't believe in mystical and magic. That's why we have people here who will open up doors of sessions who will teach you the process of what it takes with the favor of God on you. See, it's not just the process, it's the favor of God on you because you can know the process and still not get it. But if you know the process and got favor on you. Are you listening to me? I bought a home coming out of bankruptcy when they said you would not qualify for a home until seven years. And I got one after seven months because I believe him. Are you listening to me? I went through the process. I sat down with the people and they just looked at me and said, I know we're not supposed to do this, but there's something about you. And it wasn't something about me. It was something on me. Come on now. And it's on you. 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 The difference is, I know it's on me. I believe it's on me. And I conduct myself like it's on me. When I go into a business meeting, I talk like it's on me. And I act like it's on me. Because I know the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And the king's favor is on me. And where they would say no, they have to say yes to me because the favor of the king is on me. And it's on you. And it's on you. Will everybody go? No. But if enough of us will go, to this level that God is calling us to. Leave her alone. Mm -hmm. I release the harvest on your obedience. Bless you. Mm -hmm. I want to hear, my sister, I want to hear about the miracle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to I hear about the miracle. I want to hear about the miracle. Because you can't sow in this and not get a harvest. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.